Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. So, let's look at church leadership for a moment. Reason I'm uh, I'm doing this is because there is a seems to be at least in my heart and mind a real problem right now. I've mentioned and touched on in previous podcasts the 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 complication with church leadership. Because it's a real paradox. It's it, there's it's two really opposing things shoved in the same space. On the one hand, a lot of pastors, especially in smaller churches, are basically worked to death and starved. And then on the other side, you've got other pastors that are in huge churches making multi-million dollars doing jack. I don't know what those guys are doing, but I'm telling you, and I've mentioned this before. If you've got somebody making uh, over $150,000, by cracky, that dude needs to be the smartest guy in the room they walk into. And I never want to see them with an English translation ever again. They, I want them preaching straight from the Greek and the Hebrew. I want them, I mean, just translating on the fly. And... Uh, I mean, they really need to have some serious blooming skills. Because anyone equivalent making that much money uh, in in most other circles is probably going to be doing some fairly high-level computer science stuff or be in management. And you can't take a... uh, Most of the time, you can't take a pastor and stick them in a secular job that's quote-unquote equivalent. Why? Because they can't do it. I'm not saying all of them can't do it. There are some that come out of secular management and go into church, and that has its own set of complications. But let me just say this. Uh, All those dudes and dudettes are human. And since they're human, they have an a wonderful ability to screw something up pretty easy if they're not watched. If And by that, I don't mean you have to sit on their heads. I'm saying there's some thoughts that I'm going to run past you. Now, why do I say that? Well, you know, it, well, it sounds like you've been, you know, you, you have some kind of, you know, axe to grind or something. Well, yeah, I kind of do. And it works this way. So as I mentioned, been in churches, served in churches, and I have been blessed to serve with some wonderful ministers, wonderful pastors. And then I've had some real stinkers. But let me say this. When I was growing up, and I was like, uh, you know, high school and college, um, we had a situation where a youth director that I knew um, was having an affair. Now, 
is that a shocker? Probably not. In fact, I'm guessing most people listening to my voice have heard of something. If they don't know somebody, that's happened to. Now, it's an interesting thing. When you're talking about impropriety in that way, you know, how do you know? How do you know that you know? I mean, is is that situation going to, you know, uh, are you, you know, in other words, can you walk up to Brother So-and-so and say, Brother So-and-so, are you having an affair? Why, yes. How in the world do you know? Why, goodness, I better go tell the church. Uh, no, they're going to lie. They're going to lie like a rug. They're going to lie like a dog scratching fleas. They're going to lie their, their behookies off. Why is that? Well, that's a ministry. Shouldn't be doing that. But, yeah. <laughs> Absolutamente. But guess what? Now, the fact is, if you don't have them on video, or an eyewitness, in other words, you didn't catch them in the act, like the, like the lady uh, that came before Jesus, most cases, everyone's going to deny stuff. All you can do is really, you know, oh, well, you know, they seem, you know, we saw them in the same, same motel room at the same time, but they said nothing happened. Oh, Okay. Well, in my situation, and this was a youth minister that I really, really was attached to. Another lady in the church, who also I knew very well, gets up in front of the church on a Sunday night and says, Yes, we're having an affair. To the whole congregation. And, by the way, in that same church, later, the pastor's daughter gets up and says, I've been having an affair with one of the youth in the church. So now, these are very horrific situations that literally occurred. And you're, and you're probably thinking, well, you know, how often does that happen? Not really. That moment often. Now, affairs? Hmm, probably more often than we want to know. Uh, but, what do you do when you when you're dealing with impropriety in a church, and I mean your church staff is screwing up. Um, well, a lot of people in a lot of churches look at it very differently. But let me just throw some thoughts in your direction. Number one, I think it would be a very good idea to keep the ministers way the heck away from the money. I mean, whoever the personnel committee is, that's HR. HR's in charge of that. And the finance committee, or people or however that works. Now, in independent churches, they're all that's all internal. In a lot of liturgical churches where it's in a, where the association pays the ministers and all that, that kinda has its own process. So so the chances mm, I would say should be less 
for really getting jiggy with it. Because, unfortunately, in a lot of independent churches, non-denominational churches, and other churches that are quote-unquote independent, you get the ministers close to the balloon in money. And that is the kiss of freaking death. It's too much. They can't handle it. Most of the ministers can't freaking handle it. And if they're making... And, and also, I mean, churches need to figure out, I mean, for real, exactly how much are you paying these people? Because uh, if you compare a PhD in a church and what they make with a professor in a university or even junior college, it would shock you. It would shock you. So, now... Right now, people are probably starting thinking hate on me because they're like, well, what, what, what do you mean? You, uh, you know, don't you know uh, the Bible says that the pastors ought to get paid? Okay, well, let's look at First Timothy 5.17 for a second. Let's look at 5.17 It says, First Timothy 5.17 and 18, Let the elders, plural, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborers deserve, deserves his wages. Okay, so, the fact that, that in Paul's opinion, ministers should be paid for what they're doing because they're working, especially the ones that are preaching and teaching, Now, the condition here is who, it, the, the word is rule, but it really basically has the idea of, of a maintaining leadership kind of thought process. Um, I like the, uh, the Tree of Life version says, uh, elders who lead well are worthy of honor and on uh, and this is on rear end but but the issue is is leading well so basically if they're squandering money and uh, basically mooching off the church and they're teaching elementary school stuff when they really ought to be bringing the congregation up to speed with the word of god and they're coasting that ain't ruling freaking well. That's not what that is. And uh, I know there's there's pastors out there, and and the complication that I'm that I'm feeling right now is that basically church leadership seems to be freaking out of control. And any time you got somebody making. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and their equivalent of making that much money in the secular world it would be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company well that's blooming insane and reason that's insane is uh, CEOs of companies when they make decisions people's jobs go away people's lives can be literally turned freaking upside down. 
the worst thing a pastor usually does is give a bad sermon or sometimes make a bad decision on, oh, well, you know, that ministry didn't turn out, so I did it. Um, pastors don't usually, uh, nowadays anyway, unless there's a specific ministry that a church has for counseling, pastors don't touch that jazz. Why? Because they don't want to get sued. Now, in some ways, I think, okay, that's maybe a smart thing to do. Is, you know, if you have a pastoral, you know, have a, have a ministry where somebody's qualified to do that and certified to do that because a lot of states absolutely re require that. But getting ministers near money, almost, not always, but almost always, has a uh, really, really bad effect. Um, then you get guys that are, they're just power mad. They haven't done diddly. Maybe they were, I don't know, the, the manager of a McDonald's, which is not a bad job. I mean, I'm just saying. It, it is management and so forth. And then they come and they want, and they want, uh, they get some weird, uh, wild feeling in the seat of their pants. I want to, I want to be in a church. I want to be in a church. And then, and then they, they go into the pastoral ministry and then they treat it like a McDonald's. That is the kiss of death. When you treat a church like a secular organization, you do not allow the Spirit of God in there. And then, you've got a whole lot of stuff going on. But you don't have church. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit coming anywhere near the building. So, and, and this is going to sound kind of crazy. But... I'm going to go say it. doesn't matter how many people. You can have 20,000 people coming to, a, coming to a church location. And they can have a whiz-bang uh, rock star uh, service. And then they can have uh, just a, a, a super awesome uh, uh, sunshine up the skirt, uh, you know, uh, message. And then they can uh, kick you out the door, letting you feel all kinds of warm fuzzies. And that still is not church. Church is where the Spirit of God moves and changes and convicts and, and you feel the need to be better because of God, because you want to be more like more like Jesus, more like the Word. And you know the Word. People study the Word. They preach the Word. They're they're not just doing doing social gospel kind of uh, theme theme park type stuff, but here's the complication. Nowadays, a lot of people. Everybody wants to be a blooming uh, mega church pastor or, or minister. Why? Because you can make a boatload of money. You can make a boatload of money doing that. But here's the here's the kicker. The demographics are changing. The demographics are changing. What do we? What I mean by that? Okay. Once upon a time, you had a, a lot of old folks with a whole lot of money, 
And these were this Amy Grant generation type people were all in there. And now those guys are like freaking dying off. And these are the people that believed in tithing. They believed in doing it often and all that. And now they're at the end of their lives and they got all this money. And so they're just, you know, and and, and the, the church staff is like just sucking it in. And they just sit back, man. All they got to do is coast. And man, the money just keeps rolling in. Just like it's absolutely, you know, holy Toledo is the greatest thing on the planet. They don't even have to try hard. Just get up there and just and just go with a theme, find a book, and follow the book, you know, and do whatever. You don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit, you know, changing anything you're saying. Just go with the program, go with the flow, make sure everybody gets, get, you know, sh- do, you know, do a lot of glad handing, a little ego stroking. Everybody's cool. You know. Well, here's the issue, though. Those people are dying off. They're dying off. And there are a lot of mid-sized small churches that are vanishing. Why are they vanishing? Because their people are dying off. And you can't pay the bills. So, what's going on now is, and I've mentioned this before, a lot of uh, older churches now are signing the churches over to younger congregations because it's got more people. But now here's the kicker. In order to pay the bills, you got to jam that freaking church. Because the new generation, the next generation, that's millennials down, don't look at giving like the old folks. The old folks were come hell or high water is going to give 10% no matter what, uh, at least. Now, different thought process. Thought process is, well, you know, I'm going to give, but I may not give all of my money to the church. I may give, you know, 2% to the food bank or, you know, and then overseas causes and I have this missionary I like. And, and so maybe the church gets 3%. If they do that regular, sometimes they just don't give anything. And the reason they don't do that is because what? The economy sucks. So the issue is, is now there's challenges. you got a lot of people with a lot of education debt, too. A lot of millennials, man, stayed in, you know, got master's degrees because, crap, they couldn't get a bag, they couldn't get a job. So then they stayed in, got a master's degree, so they've got all this education debt they're dealing with. So they're not necessarily prioritizing giving to the church. So you got, you may get a family in, but that family may only give you 2%, maybe 1% of what they're making. The 10%, that's an old folks concept in some ways. Now, there are churches where they really emphasize that, and there are people who emphasize that who just feel like, okay, that's the way it needs to go. But by and large, the people that grip that 100%, those folks are gone. They're dying. They're they're going to Jesus and everybody else that, that remains. So you have to have twice 10, 15, 20% more people in the pew to equal one of those old folks because uh, they had so much money. Well, how do you do that? 
Well, you start whiz-banging stuff. And by that, I mean you start uh, doing some really uh, hard, fast stuff with with uh, entertaining the kids and keeping them entertained and keeping them engaged, which is not a bad idea. Okay, Now, I'm fixing to mention some ideas and some things that people do, and I'm not necessarily saying these are bad concepts. Okay, So you got a lot of programs for the kids, so you got the kids engaged. Got a lot of Bible stuff going, through, and that's cool. Then you got uh, a lot of programs for the adults. Got, got the women's group, men's group, golf group, uh, bikers group, uh, you know, this group, this group. So you got a lot of stuff like that. And then you got Bible studies all over the blooming place, which are great, but normally, you know, how in depth are they going? Sometimes in depth, maybe, maybe not. But. What you may not have, and I say may not have, is a lot of conviction going on. Because, I'll be honest, and this is going to sound like, oh, no, no, you're, you're just doom and gloom. No, because the complication is, is that we have to know what it is God sees in us that needs help. In order for us to change and become and be more like him. And I'm not getting into Calvinism or all this stuff. I'm just saying there is there's the difference. How do we get to be more like Jesus? Well, by giving up some bad things and doing some other things instead. But you have to hear that. Most of the time when you're trying to grow a really a, a lot of people in there, you don't start telling people, this is what God says, thus saith the Lord, your behavior sucks. You don't tell people that. Why? Because that's very unpleasant. And that sounds very judgmental, Pastor. Well, golly whiz. That's what the Bible says. And, yeah. And it's... And it kind of stinks to hear that. But you know what? It's good for you. Why? It's for the same reason of, you know, you go to the gym and you, and you put on heavy weight. And then later you put on heavier weight. And every time it sucks and you're sore and all that stuff. It's the same principle. You have to experience resistance to get better. But if they want to pack the place then that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to get a cheer session by the music guy with a rock star complex, and then you're going to get uh, you're going to get a cheer session from the pastor uh, who's going to going to blow you sunshine up your up your skirt. So there's nothing the matter with having a praise session. The praise session, though, is to set you up and to, to get your heart set to hear what God wants to change in us. That's, I mean, and I've done praise music. Done praise music, okay? I used to do both because most of the churches I was in, you had old folks, young folks, too. So we did praise course. And we did hymns, and we kind of mixed them however we could. 
So I've done it both. And I've been the guy with the guitar, and I've been the guy with the keyboard. So I'm just saying. I'm not knocking that. But there has to be a deep grounding in the Word. And there has to be a conviction process. And there has to be an improvement process. And that can't happen when people blow in sunshine up your skirt. It can't. So, I'll tell you what happens, though. Is all of a sudden you turn around and you got a mega church. And there's not necessarily, initially, anything the matter with a mega church. But, to keep people coming in the door and get them to stay as long as possible, they have to feel real, real comfortable. And the complication is, God's not about comfort all the time. God's about growth. And growing, I'll be honest, can suck. It happens. But, you have to get real with yourself and your spirit. And look at your pastor. Is he worth what you're paying? Listen, if he is or she is, fan fantastic. Share that. Get more people in your door. If that person is, is I mean, teaching their little heart out, and they're, and they're trying to help you absolutely change, and they are convicting people with the Word of God, and the Spirit is flowing through them, then, man, get other people in there. Because it's rare. But that is, I'm telling you, now... In this environment we're looking at, it's like a freaking lightning strike. And pastors and ministers and elders are human. And they can jack up money just as easy as anything else. Power, greed, and sex. Listen, doesn't go away. It's, it's I mean, where you have humans, you have that. And all the blooming elders... And all the blooming ministers and all the blooming pastors are human. And if they're doing that, they can fall for that jazz. So they have to have oversight. Now, do you have to sit on their head and, 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 and get all cult about it? No. No, you don't have to have them come in and clear themselves and confess everything. That's not the issue. But they, there needs to be enough checks and balances within the church so that when somebody starts getting bananas, you can handle it. And by the way, I'm, I commend churches that work with pastors and don't try to just shoot them and then throw them out the door. But if they do something freaking criminal, you better deal with that. And I mean, uh, somebody's going to get charges filed. Because if not, the church is going to pay for it. So, with that thought in mind, um, I just want to say, I love church staff. I had very blessed time being on church staffs. And I worked with some wonderful ministers. That were very underpaid. But they were wonderful guys. 
And I've had and I've worked with ministers that were women and they were wonderful ladies. I want to tell you, my heart is for those people. But you know, the purpose of their job is to grow the church. And if they're growing their pockets and their bank books and their houses and their freaking cars, and they're not growing the people in the pew, then I, then then God's coming for them. And, and and one day when they wake up and they've got all kinds of horrible things happening to them, and they go, I wonder why this is happening to me. Well, I'm sorry, that's going to be the issue. Probably, because saved or lost, you, you steal from God, you profane His sanctity, and God's going to come for you. He's going to take a piece out of you. If you're saved, it's going to be discipline. If you're lost, it's going to be judgment. And it's going to be unpleasant no matter what. So that's why we need to study the Word so we can learn to keep doing the things that makes God happy with us. Amen? So, with that in mind, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.